We've been, we've been looking at running our best lap yet. Pastor Andy laid the vision for us as for, for, the, for family church, all of our congregations. And for five months, we've been sharing about running our best lap yet. So I know you can all quote it already. And we're going to read our foundation scripture again. And we're going to read it out loud. And we're going to read it with, with passion. Okay. So let's read Hebrews chapter 12, running our best lap yet. One, two, three, read. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How are we going to do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. What, it's, uh, this is my favorite scripture. It's, well, it's one of them. But I just absolutely love that scripture. And the more I read it, there's just so much in there. We could, I think, I don't know. We might spend the rest of the year in this, but I don't know. But today, we're going to take... We're going to look at this about running our best lap yet from a different perspective. And so we're going to share a message today. Okay, we've done this previously, but it's been a number of years since we've last done it. So just bear with us. Okay, it might be a little clunky. But we, the title of the message is The Race, His Return, and Our Rewards. There have to be three R's. Because we're Pentecostal people, we've got to have an alliteration. The race, his return, and our rewards. So over to you, Chris. Hebrews chapter 9 declares from verse 27 and 28, and we've, we've seen this in the, a couple of weeks gone past, that it declares here that it is appointed for man once to die, and after this, and after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly await for him, he will appear a second time. Listen to this. Listen to this, guys. For those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Jesus came the first time as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. And that is the foundation of our relationship with God in this life now. As far from God's perspective, he has done away with sin. Sin is dealt with. Jesus is going to come back Apart from sin, it's a done deal. He's worked it all out. And we, and we looked at in, in the weeks past at Romans chapter 7 and Romans 8, where this apostle Paul, this mighty man of God who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said in Romans chapter 7, he said, a wretched man that I am. Who can help me to live this life that I desire to live when I want to do the things of God? I find that I'm stumbling over my own inability, my own sinful desires. Who's going to help me? And then, he, and then he got this revelation in Romans 8, and he tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit of God. This is the foundation of, of our walk of this life. See, Jesus is coming back a second time, but we have to live now in this life until he does, right? And this is the bedrock of our relationship with him, that there is no condemnation between us and God. In other words, no judgment, no judging of wrong. When you miss it, there is no sacrifice you can bring because Jesus, we've just read there in Hebrews 9 that 
It's appointed for men once to die, but this after the judgment. So Christ was offered once. Jesus went to that cross for you and I. And when he went to that cross, he paid the price for sin, for all sins. Hebrews, uh, Romans 7, Paul told us that, that every evil desire, that as I try to do good, I find every evil desire manifesting in my body. I want to do all these things that are wrong. And when Jesus went to that cross, he paid the price for every sin that you could possibly imagine. He paid it all. His last words on the cross were, it is finished. Pay, the price is paid in full. He's done it all. Justice is satisfied. When you fail now, when I fail now, and we don't do it on purpose, grace is not an, a, a license to sin. That would be foolishness. You can do that if you want to walk away from God. But if you want to walk with God, the Bible says that His ways are higher than our ways. It doesn't mean that they, they're unattainable. It just means they're better. His ways are so much better than our ways, doesn't it? And we can walk in His ways now. How? When we fail, we just, we just turn back to Him without excuse. Just a bit of remorse, a bit of, a bit of sorry, apology, but move, walk forward with Him, knowing that you are vulnerable, naked, walking before God, but safe. You're not about to get called into the headmaster's office and get a lashing because you missed it. He's not sitting up there in heaven looking down and you thinking, you idiot, you fool, you whatever. God is for you, not against you. He, Jesus has paid the price completely. There is nothing between you and God. No matter what you did wrong this morning, five minutes ago, I don't care what you thought, what uh, means nothing. There is no sacrifice you can offer to God because it's paid in full. And this is your walk with God now free from condemnation. From God's perspective, Jesus is returning a second time apart from sin for salvation. Sin is dealt with. It's a done deal. He has brought us into relationship with God. In Romans, sorry, 1 John 5, 13, 5, 11 to 13. Have a look at this. Jesus has, through this sacrifice that Jesus made, that he offered of his own body on that cross, Right? He bought eternal life for all who will believe in him so that sin could be done away with. That thing that stood between us and God could be dealt with and done away with once and for all and that we could live for God. He says in 1 John 5, 11 to 13, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Notice here it's all in the past tense. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. It's not in good works. It's not in how good you behave or how perfect you live. The life is in His Son. And he who has the Son has life. If you've got the Son, you have the life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things are right to you, sorry, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. If you've received Jesus into your life, if you've asked him to, to forgive you your sins, to, to, that, 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 that the sin that you've committed will be to his account, and you trust in him for your eternal life, that, that you yourself, you understand that you yourself can't save yourself, that, that you are just a fallible human being, full of temptation, full of, full of, full of weakness, but you give your, 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 your trust to Jesus, your life is in him.
You are now in Christ. And you have eternal life. And you know what, church? He's given you this eternal life to live here and now. You don't have to wait until you die to enter into eternal life. Jesus said, talking to his disciples, right? Now, here is Jesus walking the seas of Galilee, walking, walking through, through Jerusalem, through all these places with his disciples. And he says to them, it's better for you that I go away. And you think, well, how could it be better than having, imagine having Jesus walking through life with you. Imagine being one of the disciples walking with Jesus. How could you make a mistake? He's there, right? But Jesus, his word says, it's better for you that I go away. He says, because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send the Spirit of my Father. I'm going to send my Spirit into your life, into your spirit. And we see in John 17, when verse 3 there, where Jesus is praying what we refer to as his high priestly prayer shortly before his crucifixion. He's praying to the Father, and he's praying for us. He's praying for his disciples and for everybody who will ever believe in him through their testimony. And he's praying for us, and he says, and one of the things he says, talking to the Father, he says, Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You know what? This is eternal life, and this is what we can have now. Through the, through, through the unction and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we can enjoy a relationship with God in this life now. We can live this life. Jesus is coming back for us for salvation, and Sandy's going to go into that in a moment. But for now, we can live this life. Salvation and eternal life have already begun. It's not, eternity is, is, is outside of time. And the minute you got saved, you stepped into eternal life with God. And that eternal life is all about knowing God. Heaven is not a destination. Heaven is just being in the presence of God where, where there is no more tears, where there is fullness of joy at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. This is eternal life, to be with God, to be with God, to know God. So Jesus has paid the price for our sins. This is the foundation of our life in this world now, that there is no condemnation for you, no matter what you've done wrong, no matter what you've thought wrong. Jesus has paid the price. All you have to do is turn and walk naked, vulnerable, but in your integrity before him. Not trying to look for opportunities, but walk before him in your integrity. Walk before him knowing he's not about to clap you on because you made a mistake. But he is for you, not against you. And he has given us his spirit. And now we can start having this relationship with God. And in Ephesians 1, verse 13, it says that, by, uh, talking about the spirit of God, it says, of, of Jesus, it says, in him you also trusted. Is this on the screen, Johnny? In whom you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You've been sealed. You've been marked and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like taking this, this bottle here and, and, and if I just drop that bottle into, a, into a, a bucket of mud, it would come out all filthy. But if I wrapped some plastic around it first and dropped it in, the plastic would get dirty, but I could take it out and that would still be clean, right? You were sealed. So we live in a fallen world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are Jesus's. You are marked for redemption. And he says that you were sealed with the spirit of promise. He is the, seal, the spirit of promise. You know, now we see dimly, oh, Sandy, you're going to, I'm better not preach Sandy's message, but, oh, no, <laughs> but you have the spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit. 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I tell you what, church, we haven't started to even comprehend what God has done for us, how much he cares for us, how near he is to us. You know, we go through things in life and we feel isolated because tribulation, distress, anxiety, stress, they, they, they make us feel isolated. They're very personal and we feel on our own. But I tell you, if we could just open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding and recognize and realize that God is with us in everything. The Spirit of God dwells in you. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He comes to dwell in you by His Spirit. How does that work? I don't know. It's a spiritual thing. I can't see it or touch it. It's spiritual. But I do know this. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Legion, who had, and he was called Legion because he had a legion of demons living in him. A legion was, what, a thousand or a hundred or a thousand? I mean, it was stacks, right? Huge numbers. Jesus cast the demons out of this man, and they said when the demons came out of him, they went into a, a herd of pigs, and all the pigs ran down and, caught, and, and went off the cliff and into the sea and drowned themselves rather than having demons. But that came out of one man. So what I'm trying to say is that how does the Spirit of God, the Creator, the, the, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, how does He come to live inside of me? It's a spiritual matter. I don't know. But He's the Creator. If He can create the atom and the, and, and the amoeba and, and all these little things to, to the whale and to everything else, why can't he by his spirit come and live in me? He says he does. And, and you know what? He says in Romans chapter 8 as well that he gives us witness, the spirit of God, when he comes to live in us, he bears witness with us that we have been adopted as his children. You know, we, most of us, most of us we were born and, and raised by our, by our parents. Some were adopted. And for a child that is adopted, that is a chosen child. We've been, we've been chosen by God. He's adopted us. We weren't natural children. Jesus was the only firstborn and the only natural child in that sense. You know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? He's not natural. You get what I'm saying, though. But Jesus was adopted. Uh, sorry, but we were adopted. God has chosen us, and he gives us his spirit who bears witness with us on the inside that we are children of God, adopted. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage against his fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So, God has made a way for us. He's coming back a second time, but not for sin. Sin is done. We can live in this life. We can enjoy this life growing in the knowledge of God. That's what it's all about. Salvation is not about trying to get Jesus into our lives. Salvation is about getting our lives into Jesus' life. We join his life. He doesn't join our life. We don't just tag Jesus onto the back of our lives and keep on living the same way. The idea is to get into his life and walk on his roads, those ways that are so much higher than our ways. In other words, so much better than our ways. When he says forgive, forgive. Who wants to forgive their enemies? God does. We sang it earlier. I, I, I had to make a note of this. It says, who could imagine so great a mercy? We sang it earlier. Who could imagine so great a mercy? These are the ways of God. God demonstrates his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't he good? Isn't God good? And he wants us to walk in his ways. So that is what we are called to do in this life. And I'm going to hand over to Sandy. That was, that's just the introduction. 
Let me see if I can, let me see if I can flow from that lot. We're going to go back. Hebrews chapter 9. I love this. I, I'm just going to pick up on, on, on a point that Chris made, just to make my point, actually. Oh, my word, there's paper everywhere this morning. It's flying all over the place. One of these days we'll use a, one of these days we'll use a tablet. Okay, but for now, I'm a paper girl. I like, I like paper. So Hebrews chapter 9, we're just going to repeat that. And the, the scripture says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Chris preached on this a few weeks ago about how Jesus was the one who died once, and he was judged. And that's why we walk in that freedom. But it was appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And I want to pick up on this. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin, for salvation. That's what Chris has just been speaking about. But I want to pick up on that word. To those who eagerly wait for his return. He is coming back again. We, no one knows the time. No one knows the date. Okay, anybody who prophesies that it's September the 26th, stone them or, or, or pray for them. Okay, just pray for them. But they are deceived. No one knows the time. And we read in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 22 to 25. Sorry. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, there's that word, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We eagerly wait. And I looked up, what is that word, eagerly wait for the return of Jesus? What is that word? Three times it's come up in two scriptures. It means we expect fully. I'm fully convinced from the word of God, that Jesus is coming back for a spotless and a glorious bride. He's coming back eagerly, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, the, the Strong's Concordance uses this word, assiduously. I actually had to look up, what does assiduously actually mean? It sounds very, it sounds very posh, doesn't it? I assiduously expect Jesus to come back. It's with great care and perseverance with great care and perseverance, we are expecting the return of Jesus Christ. Don't know when, but he is returning. And all those scriptures that Chris read about, from, like from Ephesians chapter 1, and, and, and just go read Ephesians chapter 1. It talks about who, what we have as children of God, what our inheritance is. Wherever it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. I don't know how many times the words in him, in Christ, when we're in Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You, child of God, are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we are holy. 
but Lord, have you seen what's going on in my head sometimes? You know, when I'm driving or someone cuts me off with their trolley in the shops. No, you're holy. Really? Am I holy? But it's not based on my behavior. It's based on who I am in Christ. I'm holy. I'm without blame in Christ. He Justice has been satisfied. Jesus took all my irritations and frustrations. He took it upon himself. In him, we are adopted. Child of God, like Chris was speaking about, being adopted, that's on purpose. You're deliberate. God has chosen you. You are accepted. You are redeemed. You are redeemed. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the We're not... We haven't got the mark of the beast. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, man. Come on. So Ephesians chapter 3 goes on. It says, also it talks about how we have been, um, that we should know the love of Christ. That, uh, it talks about that we should know the length and depth and height and width of the love of God. That we should know these truths. But we know, and so we know these truths. We can almost ascend to them mentally, but they are spiritual truths. They, these are all spiritual truths. So how do, we, how do we know that they are true? Because we receive them by faith. This whole Christian walk is by faith. We receive them by faith, and we can enjoy these truths as we believe God, and as we get a revelation, and as we continue to walk in his ways, as we walk out our walk on this earth. But as we do so, we see dimly, the Bible says we see dimly as in a mirror. We see dimly, for now we see in a mirror, as in a mirror, but dimly. But when he comes, when he returns, we see him face to face. 1 Corinthians 13, we see him face to face. That's the day when Jesus comes back. I can look him in the eye. I can look him in the eye. And you can, child of God. You can. We can look him in the eye, not with arrogance. Not, Lord, look, look how I've kept myself. No, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you for your acceptance, Lord, I just want to walk in your ways. I just want to please you. So, but we've got to be ready. We've got to be expectant. We've got to be eagerly waiting for him, for his return. And what better scripture than to read in Matthew 25? And we're not going to go there because it's far too long. But we will read a little bit of it later. But Matthew 25 is the parable about the, 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 the virgins. The, 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 the ten virgins that are waiting for the return of the bridegroom. I'd encourage you to read Matthew 25. I know we touched on it last week, but I just want to pull out some, some, just some, some nuggets from Matthew 25. You know, it's a parable, which is a story that is used to illustrate a, a spiritual truth. And it's about these ten virgins. And, so, and these ten virgins are waiting for the, for, for the bridegroom. And this is a picture of the church. This is the picture. You know, the church is known as the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. And Jesus is the bridegroom. He is the head of the church. And as we eagerly wait for his return, as we assiduously, with great care and with perseverance, we like those virgins. But the Bible separates these virgins into two groups. There's the wise ones and there's the foolish ones. And there are five wise 
and five foolish. And the five wise virgins are the ones that the Bible says that they had oil in their lamps and they were ready. They were prepared. They were waiting. They were prepared. They had prepared themselves waiting for the return of Jesus. So, but the other five didn't. They weren't prepared. And I got a shock this morning when I just went through that scripture and I realized this is a picture of the body of Christ. 50% will be ready and 50% not. That is frightening. That is sobering. That is really, I want to be, and I know everyone here, I'm preaching to the choir, but we all want to be that 50% that have oil in our lamps, that we're ready. There was a song, I won't sing it. Give me oil, I will sing it. Give me oil for my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil for my lamp, I pray, and so on. But it was such an old song, but it was really, that's a truth. Give me oil for my lamp, Lord. I want to be ready for you. I'm going to be prepared for you. And the Bible says, at midnight, all ten of the virgins were sleeping. And that's okay. That's right. They were living their lives. They were going through their life. It's right that at midnight, you're sleeping. Go to bed a bit earlier. Chris, Sandy, go to bed a bit earlier. But at midnight, they were sleeping. And it's when they, but the, but the point is, when they least expected it. They were sleeping, but that's when the bridegroom returned. And, but only five of them were ready. Those five virgins were fired up. They were ready. They were prepared. And the Bible says that they went into, they went into the, with, the, with the groom, and they, had, uh, and, and they went into the wedding, and there was a feast waiting for them. And the Bible says these scary words that then the door was shut. The door was shut. And the five foolish ones were not allowed in. They were part of the body of Christ. They were part. But the door was shut. The door was shut. How we live our lives matters. And that's why the, the title is of this message is The Race, His Return. But there are rewards. There are rewards. And I'd, I'd encourage you to listen to last week's message. It's on the app. It's on the website. But just following on from the, from the parable of the, of the wise and the foolish virgins is the story, the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And we touched on this last week, but I just want to em use it to emphasize a point that the, there were these talents. This master was going away on a long journey. And he gave to one five talents, to another one two and to another one, one. The guy with five talents, he put his talents to work. God has enabled us. He's empowered us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to live this life. He's not left us as orphans. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness that enables us and empowers us to live out this life. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, he's empowered you. He's enabled you. He's gifted you. There's, we are without excuse, we are, but we have to put it to work. We have to put it to work because the guy that had the five talents put his talents to work and he came back with, an other, with another five, so he had ten. The guy with two talents, he put them to work and he came back with an additional two talents when the, when the master returned. And both of those accounts, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Well done. You've been faithful over a few, and I'll make you ruler over much. This is a parable. It's a spiritual, it's a story to explain a spiritual truth. But God says that when you've been faithful with what I've given you, when you've put it to work, I will make you ruler over much. And he goes on, enter into the joy of the Lord. Those that were faithful, that put their gift, their talent to work. The Bible says, Jesus says, enter into the joy of the Lord. What does that mean? The satisfaction, the pleasure of doing God's will. When you know that God has asked you, I was, I've been so blessed lately, God's asked you to make somebody a cup of tea. And on a couple of occasions now, men, excuse me, men in this church have come to me with a cup of tea made exactly the way I like it. It has blessed my socks off. I'm telling you, it's such a blessing. But that is responding to God. That is, you know, maybe God's nudging you. It's nothing big, no big shakes. We said it before, the microphone isn't the, this isn't the prize. This isn't the reward. It's living our lives. It's being obedient to what God has asked us to do. And he's empowered us to do it. But there we go back to the talents. And there was the one that, that he went and buried his talent in the, in, in the ground. He buried it. And he had nothing to show for it because he had the wrong understanding of God of his master. He hid it. And the master says these horrible words to him. You wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. We've just come back from conference now and we heard, I heard this quote. Evil, when he's talking about wicked, it's kind of evil. I'm not calling anybody here evil or wicked, okay? But evil comes in small steps. Evil comes in small steps because if it was to come all at once, we wouldn't be deceived. You know, if evil was so obvious and so evident in our lives, if it was even sin, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think, oh, it's, it's not so bad. It's, it's okay. It's all right. No, it comes in small incremental steps. You take one step, and God's nudging you and saying, um, go serving kids' church once a month. Go serving kids' church. Um, no, mm, I can't do that. That's... Uh, Bearing a talent, you're ignoring the voice of God, and and you might not think, you might it might not seem like something bad. But if you've been faithful with the small things, if God, if you've been faithful making someone a cup of tea, God will make you ruler over much. That's His word. That's His promise, and that's the way He goes. So, um, so I'm, I know that I'm preaching to the choir today, and that we've got to, our church is full of wise virgins with people that are putting their talents to work and we are blessed but listen to what i'm going to end with this i'm going to hand back to chris and he's going to finish in five minutes exactly but in matthew 25 verse 31 to 40 we haven't even really touched on the return of jesus but it's about being prepared but matthew 25 verses 31 to 40 and it says when not if when the son of man comes in all his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Here's that, here's that scripture I was trying to quote earlier. All the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations are going to be gathered before the Lord. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. 
and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king, the capital K, will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in from the Ukraine, maybe. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. Back to Chris. Jesus is returning with his rewards. You know, and there's work to be done. In that, in that high priestly prayer of Jesus's in, in John 17, I don't know if we've got it there, Johnny, 17 verse 3 and 4, do we have it? Yeah? Jesus talking about eternal life, saying that this is eternal life, that we may know him. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, yeah, talking to the Father, he says, I have glorified, in you. I have glorified you on the earth. I have Finish the work you gave me to do. And you know what? There is work to do. We try to get a right balance here where, you, where, where we all understand that we're not saved by good works. That's not what saves us. But there is nevertheless, there is work to be done. Jesus has paid the price. Your relationship with him is, 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 is good. It's, it's, there is nothing between you and God no matter what. Nevertheless, there's things he's called you to do. And he has given you, he's given you gifts and he's given you and I talents and gifts. And he expects us to put them to work. He wants us. Because you know what? None of us were, had, had a choice in, in, in the family we were born into in this world, in the country we were born in. For, didn't we? We had no choice. We, we, we were born and we were raised and we started to realize as we got older, oh, this is mom and dad, or this, yeah, and this is where I live. We didn't have a choice. But in the life to come, there are rewards to be had. You know, the Bible says that there is going to be these, there's going to be these elders that sit around the throne of God. That's men. Men, and possibly even women, it actually just describes men at the time, who it is, I don't know, right? But there's going to be elders, there are going to be people who are, who are raised up to, to levels of authority in, in the age to come. It says that in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Ah! How does this work? I have no idea. But it's very clear that you have a part to play in the rewards that you are going to receive in heaven. Like, did, did you quote, Jesus said to, to, to the disciples, no one will, will, will lose their reward even if he gives us just a, a cup of water to one of these little children of mine. God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. And God wants us to, to enter into his, into his joy. And we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this life. He's given us everything, the, the Bible says, that pertains to life and godliness. And we can live this life now, we can live it well. Getting to know God on a, incrementally, day by day, getting to know him better. And, and, and joining in this great plan that he has for humanity. We can be a part of it. We can be a part of it. It does take work, but it's a joy. It's a labor of love. 
we can do this we can enter into the joy of the lord so i'm just going to leave it there i just want to encourage you today that jesus is coming back jesus is returning apart from sin is dealt with he's not going to reject you whether you whether you do or don't put your hand to the plow he loves you he's got you this is it you're not working out you're not earning your salvation but there's work to be done church and we want to be a part of this of this last day church that are that are reaching our neighbors that are that are being a solution to a broken and a hurting world